Joseph would come back and tell about how lazy his brothers were. So, in all of this, what can I say? Joseph did not make himself a Mr. Congeniality in the family, but instead uh, really began to raise the ire and also provoke jealousy among his brothers who are the 12 sons of Israel. And so today we begin the second of those stories, and the scripture reading is the 37th chapter of Genesis, beginning at verse 12. And this is rather a lengthy reading, and I invite you to to listen to its words. It tells a story, and it is a, a story to be heard. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he, that is Joseph, replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben, who is the eldest born son of Jacob, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. But the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, 
He is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of, out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the rope, robe in his blood, in the blood of the goat. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Pontifer, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. May God bless the reading and hearing of this, the story of Joseph's, how shall I say, being sold into slavery. Now, my sermon this morning is entitled, Getting Rid of a Problem. Isn't it interesting that when you even ask our children, they obviously know that what a problem is of some type. It becomes obvious. Oh, a problem. And it takes simple forms, if you will. But for many of us, as we get older in life, we are faced and we have many different problems that come into our lives. And we are always trying to figure out what to do about a problem, how to take care of it, how to resolve it, how to get rid of it. And so this story of Joseph is a remarkable story. Now, albeit Joseph, as far as we can tell by the account of the Bible, did not ingratiate himself to anybody in the family except his father, whom apparently he was loved. One of the reasons that he was loved dearly by his father was because he was the firstborn son of Rachel. Remember, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, and Rachel's father, Laban, said, sure, Work for me for seven years. He did. They had a wedding. And when he removed the veil of the woman he had just married, it was not Rachel. It was Leah. Leah. And he was like, what is this? And his father-in-law said, well, it's our custom. The firstborn daughter has to be married before the secondborn daughter. 
And he was aghast. And Laban, his father-in-law, says to him, well, work for me another seven years, and you can also have Rachel. No, I'm sorry, no judging here on having sister wives, literally. But it is a reality that occurred. Not only that, but Jacob would also get their two handmaidens in marriage as well and ended up with four wives. And from those four wives, the 12 sons of Israel were produced. And from that, Rachel, her firstborn, was Joseph. And so this was the woman that he especially loved. And this was her firstborn son. And he especially loved him. And so he showed favoritism to this child. Great favoritism. And so, for whatever reasons, because they were made to feel second class, or perhaps because they had to work the fields and keep the flocks, and Joseph paraded around in this especially nice coat, and then would tell his father all of their failings and lackings when he would see them, you can see how for his brothers, he was a problem. He was a problem. So they are out taking care of the flocks, doing what they have to do, and Joseph is sent by his father to go see what they're doing and to make a report back. And so when they see him from a distance, and it's one of those things, you know, oh, that coat would have distinguished him. They see him from a distance. They're out in the fields. They're not near home. Somebody says, we can take care of this. Let's kill him. Now, for many of us, that is just a very bizarre Thinking, to get rid of a problem, we'll just kill him. And he won't be a problem to us anymore. And so they plot. It is only the eldest born, Reuben, who says, oh, no, we can't do this. You guys are crazy. You know, I know what Joseph is, but we can't do this. And so he tries to save the boy. And in the end, what happens? Well... They get an out. We don't have to kill him, but we can pretend like he's dead, and we'll send him off as a slave to Egypt, and we'll never see him again. That is their thinking, and so it happens. Off he goes. They come back. They take the coat. They've dipped it in the blood of a goat they slaughtered and report to their father, he's dead. And they let their father mourn. And the whole family comforts him. And even the sons who have perpetuated this hoax, this falsehood, this, they try to comfort him and Jacob will not be comforted because of his son. But they took care of a problem. Isn't it funny sometimes how the taking care of a problem can often lead to many other problems and difficulties Consequences that we have not thought about before. And certainly that was the case. So overcome 
by the desire to get rid of Joseph, his brothers never thought about how it would affect their father or their lives in that regard, other than he wouldn't be around to be a pain in the particular hind portions of a person's body. And so, he's gone. Now let's think about that. Let's think about that in our own lives in that regard. When problems happen in our lives. There are all sorts of problems. There are family problems. There are problems between parents and children. Much like this. Between siblings. There are problems at school. There are problems everywhere. Problems between people are, how shall I say this? There are a plenty. You're never lacking for those sorts of problems. They're always there. And how we come to deal with them tells a lot about how we see a problem and how we think we can fix it. Sometimes we do fix problems very well in life. And other times our solution to a particular problem just ends up compounding it and making it worse, making it more difficult. But we thought that it would solve the problem. It's very interesting. You know, this story about Joseph and his brothers is one of the great truths of life is that sometimes we just want to get rid of a problem because we don't want to deal with it. We don't want it around anymore. We want to say, that's done and over with. Now, there's certain things in life that are more difficult to deal with, but sometimes problems aren't. You know, one time I got in, in high school, I got into a lot of trouble. And uh, it had to do with telling my dad something about the police. <laughs> and let's just say that what I told was not accurate. I never thought my dad would call the police to verify it. <laughs> he did. And I had a problem for a lot longer period of time. <laughs> and the worst of that problem was, for about two weeks, my dad would rarely speak to me. And that was a very difficult thing in that regard. We have difficulties and challenges. Yes, there are the problems of health and things like that, and we see about them and do about them, but it's the interpersonal problems that are often the most challenging, like this particular one with Joseph and his brothers. Ah, get rid of this guy. He has not done us any favors, and he is nothing but a dreamer, and he's dad's favorite guy, and he just is a problem for us. Look, Ishmaelites, we'll get rid of him. And off he goes to Egypt. Now, as I said, this is a great story from the Bible. 
And it points to other things. If we turn to the New Testament, let's think about something. Everybody loved Jesus, for the most part. Everybody loved him. The people liked him. Those who were sick loved to be in his presence because he had this way of making them well. Those who were captivated by evil spirits, they could be made free and clean. Those who worried about their lives heard about the kingdom of God and the promise of life and everlasting life. There was a lot of good stuff. So much so that some of the other folks, the religious leaders of the time, a little threatened by it. You know, we have a problem here. We have a problem with this Jesus. And by the time that his third year of ministry was coming to an end, it was clear they wanted to do something about it. And where do they go? They have the opportunity to go through one of his own disciples who gives him up, not for 20, but 30 pieces of silver. Joseph only went for 20 pieces. And still, still, they give him up, and the authorities say, ah, we got to kill him. The Bible sometimes is very straightforward and blunt about dealing with problems. We got to kill him. And so they do. They crucified him, and they thought the end, funny, and the third day, and he rose again, and then their problems were greater than they ever imagined, and the truth had got out, and it was a different time altogether. Every now and then, here at the church, somebody will come by who is not a member of the church or not a friend of the church or anybody, just somebody coming by to look for something. Most of the time, it's money or something, gas or something like that. And, you know, over the years, I used to be very, well, sit down, let's talk at length about this, you know. Let's see what your problem is. Well, two hours later, you've heard all the problems, but you haven't solved anything. And what they really need is just somebody to give them something. And so you give them something. Bag of food, take them, buy a tank of gas, give them a card. Sometimes I just open my billfold and give them whatever money is in my billfold, which is never very much. And I've solved their problem, and in a sense, I've solved my problem. But most of the time, they, they're not coming in the sense to, what is God going to do for me? How can I get my life right? It's none of that. It's just I need some help right here and now. I need something here and now. And you address it. Is it right? Uh -huh. Takes care of the problem. But what about in our lives? What about in our families? It is always important in our families to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to keep channels of communication open. It is always important. 
When we fail to do that, we are maybe solving a problem, but creating something else down the road. Maybe a regret, maybe a heartache, and maybe that still will occur. But what we often forget and what we often neglect to think about is what is God, what is God doing in the midst of all of this? What is God doing in our problems? Here, the brothers of Joseph didn't think God had much of anything to do with what was going on. That is a radical thing to think, well, God doesn't have anything to do with this. When we as Christians, as believers in God, as followers, we know that God is intimately involved in life, including our own lives. But sometimes we thought and we think, we don't need God. I can take care of this. And we fail, we fail to consider that God has brought a problem into our lives for a purpose or for a reason. Can't we just live our lives free of problems? Can't we just live our lives free of difficulties? Can't we just live our lives where everybody loves each other and gets along together? Well, they tell me that happens in heaven, but not here. Not here. Here, we have to deal with them. Here, instead of getting rid of the problem, especially in our lives, especially with each other, it should be, how are we dealing with this? What can we do? How can I make this and redeem this? What is God telling me, us, about my life because of this problem. Now, let me say one other thing. Joseph is not an innocent party in this. You know, if Joseph had had any real thought about it, he could have been a lot more, how shall I say, humble about all this. He could have said to his brothers instead, I've had this dream, and in this dream you all bow down to me. He could have said something, you know, I've been having these dreams, and they're, I just don't understand them. Let me tell you, what do you think that means? Now, his brothers may have still felt the same way. They're not innocent by any stretch of the imagination, just as none of us are innocent. And who would have ever thought that killing Jesus would have led to salvation for all who believe in his name. Who would have thought selling Joseph off to Egypt would have one day saved the people of God? Hmm. 
Now, finally, there's one other thing about problems here that we need to recognize. God gives us sometimes or presents us with problems so that we might trust more in God than in ourselves. Trust more in the providence of God and the purposes of God than in our own made purposes and providences. That God may have something going in this. It is very difficult to recognize that. And sometimes people don't recognize it until way after the fact. Still, for Christians, for those who believe in God, for those who hold Jesus as Lord and Savior, we cannot look at anything that happens in our life and not ask, what is God doing in this in my life? We could have read this story of Joseph and said, yep, it was a harsh way, but his brothers, they solved their problem and gave Joseph all kind of problems, but they also created great problems for their father. So, look at what God is doing in your lives. Look at what God is trying to accomplish in your relationships. Look at what God is trying to do with the things, the difficulties, the challenges that you have and trust in God. Now, that's not to say that you don't try to work out equitable solutions. That's not to say that you just simply ignore them and wait for God to act. It is looking deeper. It is examining soul and spirit. It is probing the depths of your mind and opening up your heart to see what you can do and what God is doing. Well, Joseph got a raw deal. And God used that raw deal decades later to save his people. Never, ever underestimate the power and the purposes of God in our lives and in dealing with one another. Amen.